Hi, everyone. We've been wanting to do a marriage special episode for a long time, and this week we finally got the opportunity to do it. I got to sit down with Nancy and Amber and Leah on Tuesday and then with the normal crew on Wednesday. Um, And at the end of those two days, we had about three hours worth of material. So we're going to split it in half and release uh, two different episodes, one this week and one next week. In this episode, we cut back and forth a lot between the women's answers and the men's answers. And I think that really gets to highlight how similar the couple's answers are about these questions, which I think is really cool. Anyway, thanks for listening, and welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. everyone, and welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman. I am your moderator, and with me this week is Esposo de la Pastora, Dan Marcello. Bienvenidos. Worship director, Scott Reed. And son of booger, Muffin Calvin. (laughs) (laughs) You want to explain that one, Bill? Muffin Calvin? No, son son of booger. booger. Well, my mother was new and original booger. Right, so there he is. Uh, (laughs) Scott, would you pray for us? Naturally. I was naturally into what Bill said, not naturally to praying, but I guess I will also do that. (laughs) All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and the chance we have to come together now. And Lord, we just pray your blessings on this time. Uh, Lord, may we uh, grow in our understanding of who you are and and your purpose for us in this world. Mm -hmm. And uh, may our conversation benefit those who hear it. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bloomingdale Church Podcast. Leah's bobbing her head back and forth. My name is Max Terman. I am your moderator, and I am joined this week by Esposa del Pastor, Amber Marcello. Woo! Hi. (laughs) By executive producer, Leah Reed. Hello. Hello. And Bill asked me to call you Little Booger. Nancy Calvin. <laughs> um, do you have anything to say? To Nothing. <laughs> There's no story. That was kind of my nickname early Aww. on. Aww. So there was, he was a son of Booger. His dad, <laughs> his dad was Booger. I don't know what else So it was just something that we did back in the day that I had totally forgotten about until now. <laughs> Amber, will you pray for us? Mm-hmm. Father, we thank you for a time to meet, to talk about what it is to be married. And I pray that somewhere, whoever is listening would be encouraged, would have some tools, things to to take back to their own marriage, hope. And we just pray that you would guide our conversation. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Three years from now, somebody who's new to the church is going to be like, they used to have a podcast? And they're going to go and listen to it. And I'm like, why did they call him Son of Booger? <laughs> who is this man built? I hope they don't who's... start here. <laughs> but that's the thing is that who's going to start at the beginning? I wouldn't. I know. Some of my favorite podcasts I've never heard the first 200 episodes of. Mm. So right now, we're just laying the groundwork, baby. <laughs> we're laying the groundwork for Renata when she takes over as the worship director to <laughs> host the podcast. Uh, Scott... Take it away. Oh, before you take it away, let me take it back. <laughs> no take bags. Here's the thing. Yesterday, Tuesday, we uh, recorded um, uh, just you guys' wives and, and myself talking about uh, marriage. And then um, today we're talking to you guys about marriage. 
Um, <clears throat> we'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, but for all the listeners at home, you get to find out how I chose to edit this. I had an idea for it, and then that got thrown out, and then I had a second idea, and that got thrown out. So as we record right now, I'm not entirely sure how I'm going to like splice all these together. So Will you include you talking about how you'll splice it together and how you're not sure? It'll at least be a bonus bit, okay. especially now that we've drawn attention to it. <laughs> uh, Scott, take it away. All right. So here's what we're going to do. I got one card, which has four questions, but one of them... The green, there's so there's four categories in every card. I guess I've never asked how this game actually works. Yeah, well, I, I mean, this isn't the game. This is just the cards. <laughs> I'm not about to it's explain like to you how this game works. It's like reading know. the community chest every, in Monopoly. <laughs> every card has four questions, which are color-coded. Pain, fear, discomfort is one. <clears throat> Appearance, embarrassment is one. Ethics, intellect is one. And random is one. And so I'm not going to ask the ethics, intellect one. It's not like horribly inappropriate, but it's just like, eh, it's not okay. as interesting as the okay. other ones. And, not great for a church podcast. So oh. that means that this card has three questions. I'm going to ask each of you one of them. Cool. Um, I have carefully selected each one for each one great. of them, which is actually very reasonably, thoughtfully reasonably accurate. <laughs> Bill, if your life depended on it, would you rather have to run five miles in less than one hour on a trail covered with one half inch of molasses or on a trail <laughs> covered with two feet of popcorn? I'll take the molasses. Really? Why? Because I think I could do it. Two feet of popcorn... <laughs> I don't know. Fair enough. All right. I mean, I've never run this myself. What is your what's what's your five mile time? I think the fastest I maybe ever wrote, ran one is under forty minutes. Okay, so you got twenty minutes of molasses time built in. Yes. Oh that, yeah. That would take your time down a little bit. Uh, probably. I don't even think I've ever really interacted with molasses in real life. Only molasses cookies for me. Mm. Um, Max, would you rather on senior prom night have to take your parent or your 12-year-old sibling? Um, <laughs> I don't remember what it was. Like three episodes ago, this was the take your parent to prom was one of the uh, mix and matches. Mix and matches. Really? I don't even remember that. And I know that I didn't take my mom. Um, a 12-year-old sibling, that could be cool. Cool. Would I have more fun than my mom? Would you rather take a 12-year-old mom? brother or a 12-year-old sister? Definitely a, definitely a brother. No, definitely a sister. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> um, and Dan, would you rather yeah. ride the back of a large and menacing bull or attempt to jump a motorcycle over 20 feet of stacked logs? <laughs> oh, man, these are really bad choices. <laughs> uh, it sounds like I'm going to have some bodily harm inflicted upon me no matter what I choose. Mm, is that the case? I don't know how to ride a motorcycle. Oh. You know how to ride a bull? I don't, but it sounds easier than... <laughs> So can you repeat the bull one one more time? It's just riding on right. a bull, but it's large and menacing. For how long? Doesn't say. Doesn't say. Until you die. <laughs> I can ride on it for like 10 seconds and jump yeah. off. I choose the bull. That's the oh. thing. The thing that defines most of our decisions on this show is which is over fastest. <laughs> That's like the unifying like measurement is like, well, that'll be over in like six days, but the other one's forever. True. So. I found, I love how specific they get with some things, and it just makes the, the decision so much easier. Like I saw... In here, as I was looking for one, that one that was like, "Would you rather live in a in a city with like married to a really dumb person, or live on an island with an intelligent person you love?" Yeah, and just like, <laughs> like those two hmm. words you love are like, "What? Why? <laughs> why don't you love the dumb person?" <laughs> yeah. Would you like me to ask you one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. A random Good one? point. Go for it. Okay. Would you rather? Rip it garment while trying it on and swear you found it that way. <laughs> oh, you have to lie. Is this a yellow one? Oh, it is one. I'm going to... No, edit, no, you no, can go ask on. a yellow no, go on, one. Go I just on. normally... No, it's a green. Oh, okay. It's intellect. I forgot. Wait. Oh, green is... Oh, yellow is random. Green is... Okay, effort. we're going to edit that out, but you're actually going to do it this time. Please. No, just ask the second. All right. 
they're both forcing you to be dishonest, so maybe we'll choose a different one. Well, I want to hear what the second option okay. is. Yeah. Be given too much change and not tell the cashier. Oh. So you're forced to... That is hard. When I first heard change, I imagined coins. And I was like, well, oh. coin, a change, because that'd be less yeah. monetary dishonesty. But, but it's like, what it, if you gave them $100 for a Chick-fil-A sandwich? Yeah. And they give you $200 back? I'll ask you a, different, I'll ask you a better one. Okay. All right. If your life depended on a victory... Would you rather have to run a hundred yard race upon a, like against a sixth grader or against an eleven year old dog? <laughs> Definitely the sixth grader. Yeah. I think so. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure how much longer I could be the sixth grader, but I'm pretty confident I could be one right now. And <laughs> some dogs live pretty long. And so eleven's like right in the middle of their life. Like they're still going strong. That's true. You're rolling the dice either way. Uh, before we get into the topic of the week, we need to take a moment for an old segment, Once More with Feeling. Once, Once More with feeling. feeling. The part of the show where we revisit the past to mm. save the future. Uh, last week we <laughs> talked about... the tagline. <laughs> no, it's a new tagline every time. Uh, last week we talked about hell, uh, and a question about the Apostles' Creed came up, specifically the line, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended into hell the third day he rose again from the dead. Um, Bill, you said our church removes the line about Jesus descending into hell um, because it isn't biblical, uh, but we couldn't remember the verse that is referenced when people argue that it is biblical. Uh, the verse 1 Peter 3.18 uh, is the main one, which states that Jesus, quote, was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit in which he went and preached the spirits in prison who formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah during the building of the ark. I happened to read about this in a systematic theology this week. Hmm. And the answer is, you notice the context is Noah. Mm -hmm. So it's speaking of Christ was preaching through Noah to those sinful people in Noah's age. Mm -hmm. and not that he died, went to hell, preached to just whoever's in hell for three days and came out. I thought, pretty interesting. Yeah. So if you look at the context closely, ah, so that's what's going on there. Yeah. Can you repeat the reference one more time? Absolutely. It's 1 Peter 3.18. Okay. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. I have like a page and a half written here of what Wayne Grudem says, but you pretty much just summarized it perfectly. Oh, that's who I was reading. Yeah, exactly. Um, he says, quote, not something, it does not refer to something Christ did between his death and resurrection, but something he did in the spiritual realm of existence or through the spirit in other translations at the time of Noah. When Noah was building the ark, Christ in spirit was preaching through Noah to mm. the hostile unbelievers around him. This view gains support from two other things, Peter says. Uh, in 1 Peter 1.11, he says that the spirit of Christ was speaking through Old Testament prophets. And in 2 Peter 2.5, he calls Noah a preacher of righteousness using a noun, kerex, which comes from the same root as the word preach that is used in 1 Peter 3.19. I was unfamiliar with this idea of Jesus speaking through the prophets. Like, I, and that's kind of the complicated part of the Trinity is like, yeah, God spoke through the prophets. But it's very interesting that Peter, right before mm -hmm. he kind of makes this, this, says this thing that, that brings up what's called the harrowing of hell is this idea of, of Jesus going after he dies. Right before that, he gives the context of saying like, hey, Jesus spoke through the, through the prophets in the Old Testament multiple times. Here's some examples. He also spoke through Noah. Um, mm -hmm. That's crazy. And it's super cool that it's another place that Jesus shows up in the mm -hmm. Old Testament. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it makes a lot more sense than him going to hell to preach to people, because what, what would really the point of that be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wayne Grudem also gives uh, three strong arguments against Jesus descending into hell based on things that Jesus says uh, at the end of his life. When Jesus tells the thief, today you will be with me in paradise, he uses mm. the word heaven. Uh, he uses a word for paradise that means heaven every other time it shows up in the New Testament. Mm. When Jesus cries, it is finished, it suggests that there's no reason for him to go to hell because he has no work to do there. Um, because it's finished. Same thing with the thief. I hope you'll be with me in paradise, but first we got to stop in hell and talk <laughs> to people for a couple of days. Um, and then when Jesus says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, it suggests that he expected the immediate end of his suffering and the estrangement uh, between himself and the Father and the welcoming of his spirit into heaven, um, which are all things that like seem obvious but are not things that ever crossed my mind when I would hear he descended into hell, that oh. Jesus, when he died, was expecting to go and be with God immediately. Um, and he's not wrong because he's God. Um, so yeah, I thought that was a super cool, That's um, really interesting. just to return to something we talked That's about. Cool. I thought it was super cool. Um, let's get into the topic of the week. Topic of the week this week is brought to you by Party for a Purpose. Please join us to hear from Zaklina Carbars about Reclaim 13, a local organization that is tirelessly working to free children from trafficking and exploitation in our own communities. Learn how to spot the signs and what you can do to help raise awareness about this issue. Party for a Purpose, Saturday, October 3rd, from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. in the Portico. For more information, visit reclaim13.org. Not to be confused with Party with a Porpoise. Right. That's the following week. <laughs> Which is yes. the following week. As soon as the jet ski fund gets exactly. all the way full, then yes. we go out on the lake and party with a purpose. <laughs> After all these years. Are any of you familiar with Party with a Purpose? I know. Uh, yes. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about it? Reclaim 13 is a Christian organization in the suburbs, and Chelsea Reinhold made their acquaintance. They came out to the church, talked to Chelsea and I, showed us what they have to offer, and we thought, okay, the biggest thing they have to offer is education, hmm. Get, making people aware that this is going on right under our nose. And, and they don't mean in Chicago. They mean Bloomingdale, mm -hmm. Glendale Heights, Roselle. Hmm. Oh, so I'm looking forward to this because yeah. mm -hmm. I'm sure I'm looking at things and just not picking up on it. Yeah, just not seeing the signs. and Right. For sure. For topic of the week this week, uh, we're beginning what I hope is the first of many uh, conversations about marriage in, in sort of the life of this podcast. Um, and it's funny that for the first week, we're keeping the couple separate, um, but hopefully in the future, uh, we can uh, all be together. Um, Nancy mentioned that we have a wide range of experience in the room. Uh, and on top of that, you're all married to pastors or pastors in training, in Leah's case, uh, and some of you are even pastors yourselves. So uh, so I want to talk a little bit about what marriage looks like. It's funny that usually when we, get, when we do Topic of the Week, I start off by being like, so what is blank? I don't think I'm going to start off by saying what is marriage, unless one of you has like a profound or off-the-wall response to it. Um, but Leah, you just passed your one-year anniversary. We did, um, yeah. Amber, Actually, how long? Actually, today is our year in three-month anniversary. Congratulations. Yeah, Aww. thanks. Amber, how, how long have you guys been married? 12 years. 12 years. Oh. Nancy? 43. 43 years. Awesome. Impressive. Um, so I want to talk about like surprises after one year, after 10 years, after 40 years, like whatever like jumps out to you. I'll start with year one. Um, okay. This was after our honeymoon. We came back and in my family, we would 
everybody's fend for themselves for breakfast on Sunday morning. It was just like that's what we did. Mm. Well, that was not the case in Bill's family. So I got up, I got ready, made myself breakfast. Bill gets up, gets ready. He's like, where's breakfast? I said, well, I already ate. He's like, what do you mean you already ate? I said, well, that's the way we do it at our house. He says, well, that's not how we do it at our house. We all eat together. I'm like, okay, there's my first learning of marriage because I didn't know. Yeah. So even that was early on in the first year, that's just one, one sure. of the many changes and adjustments you have to make. Sure. What did you do yeah. after that? Like for every Sunday? I was... think we had breakfast together, but okay. you know, it was, it was simple. I wasn't up there cooking and everything so that we could get to church and stuff, but sure. it, was, mm. it was simple. Do there continue to be surprises, Bill, 43 years in? Well, every now and then I'm surprised at just how phenomenal Nancy is. It's sort of like, <laughs> what other superpower do you have? <laughs> I didn't know about that one. Uh, so there, there are surprises, but Nancy and I went together for six and a half years before we even got married. Mm. So even in the first year, there weren't lots of surprises. Yeah. It was more of how do you get along under the same roof day after day, week after week, mm. I believe we both kept it extremely simple. We loved each other. We wanted to be together. We were sure this is the right person for me. And mm -hmm. we never used the word divorce. Sure. We never go to bed angry. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. If you keep it real, real simple, you can do pretty well. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Any big surprises for you guys about after the first year, or in some cases, earlier than that? Um, I didn't expect COVID to happen. <laughs> <laughs> that has been interesting. Mm. Getting to, I guess, know just like how both of us process things. Um, it's not like a bad or necessarily good thing, but just seeing how we deal with you know, tough circumstances and not being near family and mm. just knowing that you can't change what's happening um, mm. and learning how to be very much there for each other mm. and also taking the time to learn what the other needs um, in that, like, you know, is it space? Is it comfort? That's been interesting. Yeah. Any big surprises, Scott? Um, I don't think there were any big surprises. Um, Leah and I were pretty careful. I mean, we got married at 25 and 26, which is not old by any means, but it's definitely different than getting married at like 20 or 21, um, especially whereas I had been living independently for, I don't know, three years or well, whatever. Independently with me. Well, we don't need to get to that. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> the table. Um, well, yeah, so we were we were really intentional about talking about things, and, and we read a lot of books together, and, and some of the books, you know, talk about, like, well, you should really establish little things like, you know, who, what is your expectation of, like, who's going to take out the trash, mm -hmm. who's going to make the dinners, who's going to do the dishes, like, all these different things, and, and so we talked through all of that. Um, but then, you know, when you live with someone, it's not just who's going to make the dinner, which is like obvious because like everyone eats, but then there's also like these little idiosyncrasies that like you never, you would never talk about because like why would anyone ever think to talk about it? And so like one like kind of silly thing that I guess you could say was a surprise is that I 
had been cursed by my parents from when I was an infant to like not need, but almost uh, having like a fan blowing on me while I sleep. Like I just sleep so much better with that. Uh, it's been that way my whole life, which is <laughs> sucks, but it is what it is. Um, and Leah really doesn't like feeling a fan blowing on her almost ever <laughs> because I guess because of her hair. It like then little wisps of hair like touch her face and she doesn't like it. Hmm. And so that's like a weird thing that like we certainly never talked about before we got married. Hmm. But, you know, trying to find that balance of like, all right, where, how do we arrange the fan so that I can feel it, but it doesn't <laughs> skim over my body and blow her little hairs around. <laughs> um, so it's things like that, you know, things that you, they're not life mm-hmm. or death. Like, am, are we going to eat? And so you don't really think about them. Yeah. Um, but those have the potential to be like really stupidly destructive, but they don't have oh, to yeah. be as long as you just try to seek to understand, I think, with the other person, why the other person prefers that or does it in that way. Hmm. Do you have a surprise from 10 years? I didn't get permission to share this, but we've shared it before, so I think it's okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but since we can't edit out Marcelo's stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it must be said. <laughs> I think everybody, when they get married, they start to see like weird things that the other person does. It's funny, and you're like, oh, you don't actually cook your ramen noodles. You just put warm water in it. But <laughs> something that Dan did, he and still does, is whenever he's done it at, at night and he's getting changed or going to take a shower, somehow he's able to get out of his clothes as if he's been raptured. <laughs> like including socks and there's like the perfect position as if he just like fell to the floor raptured and one time he woke up early and left his cell phone and didn't tell me where he's going and so I actually <laughs> thought he had raptured <laughs> I always put my clothes in the, in the hamper but he doesn't know if, if, it, if he could maybe wear it another day or not sure. so he, it looks like we have raptured People at home <laughs> regularly, <laughs> and it's something that he just has never changed. <laughs> I love that image of just it's like great. Dan's clothes on the ground, but no Dan, and, his phone and it's is in like the still form in his of pocket. Him. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh, that's yeah. funny. Um, well, Dan, a <laughs> couple things. I <laughs> know, <laughs> <laughs> on on a kind of a funny note. Trying to sleep in the same bed as someone when you're used to sleeping alone hmm. for your whole life is kind of weird, hmm. especially when the, your wife steals the sheets <laughs> and wants to be really close and you're used to like your own personal space. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a little bit of getting used to. Sure. <laughs> um, I, you know, just and we married. I was just finishing college and moved like out of my parents' house and they're like, sure. Just like that, the life hits, then you got to like, well, no one else is making the food for you. And it's like, okay, well, what are we going to do? We got to go grocery shopping. You like, and that, I guess that wasn't necessarily a surprise. Just like, whoa, it was just kind of a reality yeah. check. Yeah. When I was used to not having to do as much cleaning and sure. cooking and all that, the household stuff. So you were kind of going through normal growing up stuff yeah. at the same time as normal marriage, yeah. new, new, newlywed stuff. Yeah. Cause I hadn't really lived on my own. So that's just like a lot of, a lot of waves at the yeah. same time. <laughs> yeah, it was good stuff, but yeah, it was it was definitely a learning experience, and I probably stuck my foot in my mouth or didn't help, like step in to help out because I was like, well, my mom usually did most of the cleaning, and I just had to get my room clean. Get my room clean. I was like, sure, fair so enough. Do you keep your room clean, Dan? I do. Good. I do. Every so often, neighbor has to come and say, "Your closet. What in the world is going on?" <laughs> like, do some reorganization here. 
<laughs> I, you know, I had a. Can I just? Yeah. I don't want to please. Up, but I, you know, I got to see, got to know my wife. It's thought a lot about intimacy. You know, and a lot of times I think we have a wrong definition that intimacy is just sex, but it's not. It's really when you get to know someone mm-hmm. really, really well. Yeah. And the, just the connection that you have on an emotional level too, not just physical. Yeah. And just really have grown a lot closer to my wife, just even knowing her before we had children and then after seeing her become a mom, seeing just what a wonderful mother she is to our daughter, mm. so tender and just so skilled at it Yeah, um, has been just made me fall in love. I guess a surprise I didn't expect mm. of like making me see her in a different light and just appreciate mm. her in different new ways that I wouldn't necessarily have seen before. Yeah. Obviously in a marriage, like there is conflict and disagreement and miscommunication. Um, how have sort of the methods of, of really rectifying those conflicts, the methods of talking through those conflicts, of working through those conflicts, like how have they evolved over, over your time, um, in that relationship? There's a lot to, to learn about conflict because it's Mm -hmm. not a simple thing. Like everybody has a set of expectations of what they want anything to be and sometimes they don't even know they have them until something hasn't happened and then there's like a a point of disagreement Um, and then there's the humility factor we have to come into it being humble so we actually can solve things there's the factor of like not assuming the worst of the person Mm -hmm. um, assuming that they just were unaware but something that we've uh, we've done in our life especially in the last thinking it's the last 10 years. It could be less or a little, little bit longer. But we started this question, two questions. It started off as one question, but now over the last couple of years, it's two questions. So that every morning we ask each other, how can I help you? Hmm. And, and instead of having like a long to-do list of like a honey-do list, do this, this, and this, um, I ask him and he asks me, and, and it doesn't feel like a, a to-do list anymore because it feels like a friend. Like, how can I help you today? Mm. Instead of me like running after him, can you do this? Can you do this? Um, and that that has helped us a lot. But something even better, like this is that that's that's the best question. But something that's helped us even better with our expectation side of things is, before we go to bed at night, we ask, what do you think? Or how do you want the next day to look? Mm. And that way, um, we both share what we think. And we have an idea of what the expectation is because usually where our conflict comes from is when we had something in our mind of how the day was supposed to look, what we were going to eat, where we were going to go, who we were going to talk to, what, and we didn't communicate it and we didn't Mm. express what we would have needed. And um, that's something that we do and it's helped us. We avoid so much conflict because we're on the same page Mm. and we don't, we're not each other's personal slaves. We, We want to help each other. Yeah. And it makes me feel loved, even though I know the question's coming. I feel loved that he still cares to still ask it every day, even though it's not, he doesn't have to. Some days we forget, but most days we don't. And I feel loved because he asks. Hmm. I feel like it's gotten better over time, like learning each other, learning where we're coming from. I feel like I used to get a little more defensive in conflicts, hmm. like that we'd have, or, you know, discussions or like disagreements, take things a little more personally. And I feel like, we're at the point now, for the, like I know my wife, I know where she's coming from, I know where her heart is, so it makes it easier for me not to go to the, like that defensive, trying yeah. to protect myself or like stand, like just justify myself, mm. maybe even things that I did weren't, that weren't kind. That's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Leah? Yeah. Um, off the presses. <laughs> <laughs> um, so starting off, 
going into marriage, we really wanted to strive to not yell at each other, mm. not raise our voices, um, to just try to honor one another in that way. Um, our parents both did yell. Um, they weren't yelling people, but mm -hmm. when you know disagreements would come, there was yelling, and both Scott and I did not love that growing up. Um, so we just really wanted that to be a goal of ours, um, to try so hard not to raise our voices. Obviously, we're not going to agree on everything, um, and we need to talk through. Um, and we felt that if we were to yell, um, it didn't seem like we were on each other's side. Hmm. It didn't seem like we would be showing that we're on the same team. So that's been just a really wonderful goal, I think, of ours, because I don't handle yelling well. Mm -hmm. I would just start crying. Um, ever since I was little, if anyone would raise their voice at me, I would just like sit there and cry. Mm -hmm. Can't handle it. Um, so that isn't edifying or helpful <laughs> for me. Um, I think with us, um, we just try very hard to ask, you know, did I upset you? If so, like how? And then just sit there and listen and wait until the other person is done just getting off their chest, whatever they need to. Try so hard to not talk over one another because um, at least for me, I have a hard time explaining my feelings. That was a really hard thing for me early on to just know what I was even feeling sometimes, but mm. mainly just how to put it into words. Um, Scott is the opposite. He's really good at He's a thinker, so he jumps to his thoughts first and then feelings come after. Um, and so, and he has a great memory too, so he can remember you know, a lot of things regarding what he experienced. Um, so sometimes that can feel like a lot. And so we've had to come to a place where when he expresses or when I express, we just try so hard to not f make it seem like we're against each other, um, mm. but rather just simply sticking to the this is how I felt when you did this. Yeah, I don't think I have too much to add to that. You know, Dan said knowing his wife's heart um, is definitely like a, it's a factor. And, and I think that's really important um, to just, I think I read this or someone told it to me pre, pre-marriage. Um, and just this idea of like assuming the best and giving your mm. spouse the benefit of the doubt. Because like sometimes they'll do things that are really kind of annoying and you'll be like, "Why are you annoying me?" But really, they're not trying to annoy you. They're just, they're just being themselves. And and even in the moment, like you can feel annoyed. But even if you just say, like, "Okay, like I know that this isn't deliberate. That she's not trying to annoy me in this way. Whatever it is, like it doesn't necessarily make the feeling go away, but it can make it pass more quickly. And just like, and as you, I think as you say that more and more, mm -hmm. you you believe it more quickly. Like when that kind of thing happens, it's like, okay, like I know that that's. It's just what it is. It's yeah. not anything more. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's really helpful um, because it's pretty rare, I think, in like a healthy marriage for spouses to do things deliberately to hurt each other. Oh, sure. Yeah. It happens, it I think, but it like it's not very common. One thing that we started from the very beginning of our marriage was, as the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Mm -hmm. And that's really crucial to... Mm. Having a good marriage doesn't mean we don't have disagreements or arguments, but 
we get it resolved that day because you certainly don't want it carrying over to the next day or the next week or the next month mm. and then causing a wedge between the two of you. So that's mm. one thing we've always done in our marriage is sure. just make sure we resolve it before the sun goes down. Mm. Are there ever times when you're like, I don't want to resolve this before the sun goes down? I mean, there's times when you don't want to let it go. Uh-huh. You want to keep the flame burning, so to speak. <laughs> but um, I'm I'm one to probably just be quiet and let it go rather than hmm. keep fighting about it, you know, whatever it is. Um, I mean, I'll make my point known and sure. what I think, sure. but um, eventually we just come to some agreement, whether mm. it's his or mine, and just move on. Yeah. I can't picture you and Nancy having a disagreement. But <laughs> well, we have very along. few. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm just thinking of a pet peeve of mine that's been worked out fine. <laughs> I don't really hear all that great anymore, but this is what I really hear is people chewing. <laughs> you could probably go into your car, pull it into the garage, have your windows up, and I would still hear you chewing. <laughs> and it would drive me nuts. <laughs> so there are times where I was just saying, Nancy, what are you eating? Because we're eating the same meal, and I'm just hearing this crunch. crunch. To me, it just oh, sounds man. so amplified. So she'll say, well, I'm just having, and I'm doing it with my mouth closed. Yeah, golly. Just sounds like you're broadcasting. Can you turn turn the music up a little louder? So we we always eat with music. I I mean, always. And it has to come on right away, or it's just like, oh, no, here we go. So that's just one of the funny little quirks that, yeah, we worked it out. When did you start eating with music? Long time ago. Maybe 10 years ago. Oh, okay. Probably didn't bother me before. Sure. But now that's just like... It's one thing that I can truly hear clearly, too clearly. <laughs> Maybe oh that's goodness. the gnashing of teeth in hell. Yeah, in hell. Oh, Nancy sounds. says if you go to hell, your hell's going to be people chewing food. <laughs> <laughs> They're all, I mean, celery and carrots. That's Wrong your eternity. eternity. Like, ah! Oh, my gosh. Um, what has your marriage taught you about God, about who God is? I don't know if you guys know this, if I've told you, but I'm sure many people listening don't know this, but Scott and I read a lot of books. <laughs> Max, I'm sure you know, because <laughs> you were there. I in, saw the piles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> behind the scenes. <laughs> um, so I, it, w- it must have been in one of those books or something um, that in marriage, it's going to be kind of like looking into a mirror. Hmm. And... Um, it's true because you are not by yourself anymore. It is you and somebody else and you just, there are ways that it being married can really reveal things to you that you didn't know otherwise. And that's not a bad thing because in, even if you're not married, if you have a roommate or you know, a family member or a close friend, they can do the same for you. And, you know, they'll see things that you don't. And to be able to learn how to listen to that is so vital um, in being able to grow as a human. Um, That is a big thing, um, being able to see yourself outside of yourself, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 
there's a book that I like a lot called Sacred Marriage, um, <clears throat> which has a lot of good stuff to say, but it's kind of based on this principle that like for a long, long time, probably because of the writings of Paul as well as, you know, the formations of uh, monasteries and, and um, convents and stuff, um, which were, I think, derived from the writings of Paul. But anyway, this idea that like singleness is, um, what's the word? Like a sacrament almost. Um, not just like in like Catholic terms, but like a singleness is like, if you really want to be a holy person, like you, you are single. Um, and his point is basically like, I think that marriage is a sacrament too. Again, not in Catholic terms, but like marriage is also an instrument for holiness. Mm. And I think that's really true. Uh, and basically his, I think sort of the tagline of his book almost is, what if marriage was meant to make you holy, not happy? Mm. And I, I, I see that very much in in the way that God has used our marriage in both of our lives, that I don't think I would be in the place that I am as quickly if it weren't for having somebody who knows me so intimately and can speak truth into my life um, in a way that no one else really has the opportunity or ability to do. Um, so I think, you know, seeing... So what does that teach me about God? Kind of just seeing God's grand design for things and how he's just put these things into our lives and into the world that are just all designed to kind of draw us closer to him and and to create in us you know holiness and, and righteousness and you know it's all very intentional yeah, yeah. Well, and i think in ministry too um you know you have to be sure you're grounded in the lord mm-hmm. because while we don't think we're on display or but people are looking at us they're saying well how do they handle whether mm-hmm. it's conflict whether it's you know um just different ways we process or different ways we respond to things as a couple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to be sure that you're really grounded in the Lord so that then yeah. you're more open to what God's trying to teach you. And when you, he's, you, know, you see something, it's like, oh, I didn't know that about myself, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, then you're more receptive to try to make that change. Whereas if you're not grounded in the Lord, you just say, that's just the way I am, go mm-hmm. deal with it. You yeah. know? So I think that's something that's really important. And being in ministry, sometimes that's hard to do. Mm. You know, keep yourself grounded in the Lord because there's demands on your time. Um, so you just have to make sure that you um, bucket your time well so you make sure. So for me, I get up every morning at 4.30, and that's what? my quiet time because <laughs> I get ready and then I have my quiet time because I know me that if I don't do it then, it's not going to happen the rest mm, of the day. Okay. You're I'm not saying that both. I'm not saying that boastfully. <laughs> I'm just saying that's what works for me. Sure. Some people yeah. can do it at night. I'm asleep at night, you know, because I got up at 4.30. But um, so that's, you know, that's just what works for me. But mm. you, but I have to do that because then the rest of my day would be right. messed up if I didn't spend the time with the Lord. Sure. Yeah. Really, like 4.30. You've been awake You're for like 12 awake? hours. Yeah. Right I've now. been wow. asleep for four. To kind of put a bow on us here, what is the biggest way that women can support one another in their marriages. How can, how can, every time I'm like, how can we as women, because I always say, like, how can we as followers, just, how can we as women uh, really help our sisters I'm in Christ? I'm interested to hear what you have to say, yeah, Max. I, that'll be on the next episode. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think one of like the best ways is 
um, just to hold each other accountable, um, even to the chapter in the Bible, uh, Proverbs 31, um, just to see that as a goal um, for you, um, not just if you're married, but just as a woman in general um, and in how you function as a human. Mm. Um, obviously, no one is perfect and it's okay if you fail and you don't do all of the things that it says. Mm. Um, just to, I guess, ask one another, you know, how are you doing in this way? Um, but then also another way um, is to just be open with each other. Um, I think having like a close friendship, just to be able to be open and real with them, to have somebody who can be a prayer warrior for you too, um, mm. that's so helpful and uplifting. Or somebody who's maybe older and more experienced and who can speak life into you, mm. that is so edifying. Um, yeah, having that support system in a sister in Christ, um, it can just make such a change um, in perspective in how you see your life and just life in general. Because um, we're all going through maybe some pretty similar things or we have gone through those things. So we can really be there for each other and share that wisdom. Well, and I think too, just that those that's really important is to have that close friendship. But I think also just to pray for one another, mm. um, just to take the time, you know, whatever day I pick on Sundays to pray for the staff, but just to pray mm. for them all. Mm. Um, just because being in ministry, you know, some of the challenges that they're going through, maybe not everything, they may have unique challenges, um, but just lifting them up. And then, you know, as you have specific requests for them, then follow up. How are you mm. doing with yeah. whatever it is their particular issue is? Mm. I know that that really helped us um, when we were going through a lot of things with our son and just having people come up saying, and some in ministry, some not, but just saying, I've been praying for you. How are you doing? You yeah. know, and yeah. just being able to be real and honest with them because, mm -hmm. you know, life isn't always easy. So <laughs> you gotta, you gotta take the good and the bad and just yeah. um, having people that you can laugh with, cry with, whatever mm -hmm. the yeah. situation is. Yeah. Well, I think friendships are based on reciprocating. Someone told this to me, said it takes two people to have a friendship and it's one person, if it's just one person doing the work, it's ministry. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people that I wish could be my friends or would want to, to want to open up or be friends, right? Yeah. Sometimes, for whatever reason, it just doesn't work out. And it could be my fault, it could be circumstances or whatever, but um, to take the expectation off of having everything be like a Disney movie, like everything, maybe that's not everything, <laughs> always happens wrong in them. Any, something like... <laughs> Perfect. Like you can't have everything perfect or the way something that could look on an Instagram thing. Mm -hmm. But to mm -hmm. re remember it, it's a two-way street. And I, I try my best to not, this is what Dan has taught me in life, to how to be mm -hmm. kinder and more unassuming and mm -hmm. just assume that people have a busy life and it's not personal and try to be a better listener and, and pick up wherever we leave off. But mm -hmm. the idea of like it takes two people to have a, a, a friendship, I think really helped me. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys have faced a time in your life you're like, oh, why doesn't this friendship work? Or why can't hmm. why can't we be closer? Why you know, or I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Have support that way. Completely. What is the biggest way that men can support one another in their marriages? <laughs> How can we as men support one another in in marriages? Well, here's something that I I think applies to everybody. 
uh, men and women both, there are stereotypes in our culture of husbands and wives. Mm. You know, husbands are, eh, they don't really help out that much. They're whatever. They're not super reliable. They want to go golfing is like a very stereotypical thing. You know, they're not whatever. Wives are, oh, they're naggy. They're they're always kind of trying to suck the joy out of things. They're, what, you know you know the stereotypes I'm talking about. You can mm-hmm. see them in like All any, they want to do is go shopping. Any and, sitcom yeah, you watch. Yeah. And I think, especially for older guys um, and for older women, bucking that stereotype. And when you're talking to younger guys, whether they're single or married, like honoring your spouse hmm. and, and saying like, no, like my husband is reliable and he takes care of us. Or no, my wife is so supportive and she... Like she speaks life into my day, not sucks it out. Like saying things like that and changing the way that we view marriage, even if it's just kind of like on a joke level, like yeah. still just scrapping that completely. Hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about not complaining about your spouse, but you know, like talking them up. Like, hey, this is like kind of ties in with what you're saying very much. Just being quick to talk about their good qualities because it's mm-hmm. real easy to get mm-hmm. frustrated and complain. Maybe like with the guys, you know, like. Oh yeah, my wife does this or my wife does that. But being like avoiding that, avoiding that complaining and yeah. like, mm-hmm. mean talk, yeah. and really trying to find ways to like, hey, my wife did this or this was amazing. Like mm. finding ways to encourage. I feel like that's with children too, because it's really easy to complain about your kids. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. and I think that could really be damaging to them and hurt them if they yeah. hurt it, and just as much to a spouse. Yeah. If they were to find out about a conversation like, oh, my husband said this about me, and great, that was hurtful. Yeah, Bill. I don't know that I have anything to add. These guys are hitting home runs. Listeners. Must be only because you threw out the first pitch. There it is, because you you didn't take the $3,000. Listeners, if you'd like to be part of the show, you can send questions, would you rather's, trivia quizzes, and first pitches to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. For our closing segment this week. Is that part even recorded, the first pitch? Yeah, I have it recorded. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Uh, They probably won't have heard it by now, but it'll go in the bonus (laughs) bits. Uh, for our closing <laughs> segment this week, it's time for bets. Last week, we asked how many honks would sound at the Saturday night service. Uh, Dan said seven. I said 11. Scott said 14. I thought that Dan said eight. Oh, wait, no. Dan said seven. I said 14. I thought he said eight, and I said 16. Uh, Dan mean. said seven. I said <laughs> I'm 11. I'm sorry. Thank you. Scott said <laughs> 14. Right. Bill said 16. Dan worked the system on Saturday night. <laughs> During his sermon, he said, Unfair if, advantage. if you're smart, honk your horn. I already had that in there before. Uh-huh. There's Prove no proof. It. Prove it. Prove it. Bring <laughs> me can. the document. I will. Uh, Dated. And if that's not cheating. my jelly beans. If that's not cheating, I don't know what is. We can't uh, trust my integrity. Here. Eight cars honked in response to that. But then, ten minutes later, he cracked a joke and two more cars honked their horns for a total of ten, which means I win. (laughs) Should have quit while you were ahead. Huh. (laughs) You hear that, Dan? It was really close. You hear those jelly beans in there? (laughs) Oh, come on. Uh, (laughs) That's not all. Sean Mitchell wrote into podcast. Dan wants that little egg with the jelly beans so badly. I don't think he'll ever see one. <laughs> Not even for a trivia I, quiz championship. I love you, Dan. Uh, that, I'm Sean, gonna go out and buy my own, darn it. Sean Mitchell wrote in the podcast at <laughs> bloomingdellchurch.com. He guessed seven, which makes him the closest listener guest. 
Uh, so we'll pour some jelly beans into an envelope and ship them off to him. Wait, wait, wait. I guess seven, too. We okay, both- you're not a listener. <laughs> I do listen right now. That is all the time that we have today. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Dan. Thank, Thank you, Max. Max. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Leah. Thank you, Amber. Leah, take us home. <laughs> you have been listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. Oh, I forgot the next part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember it. Okay, we're good now. Um, okay. You have been listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast from Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation. Um, Poor Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Before we jump into it, one of the questions I've been dying to ask uh, since we decided we were going to do a marriage special, have you ever been in the congregation, in the parking lot, and you're listening to your husband preach, and he, he like makes a point or he says like a sentence or something, and you like think, I don't know if I agree with that, and then like you're like, you know, because that happens to me in all in all kinds of sermons where it's like, you know, I didn't think it. I wonder if I agree with that, and like hmm. kind of like trying to think through it, like you know, biblically and stuff. Does that happen to you guys still, even when your husband's preaching? No. One time. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Go for it, Amber. You go. So in the Bible, it said that Jesus looked out at the crowd and he had compassion on them, like a sheep without a shepherd. Okay. And I was in a particular phase of my life where I wanted to fix everything, and Mm -hmm. I didn't... I thought that they had enough shepherding and they shouldn't. (laughs) And really, the Lord was telling me... (laughs) To have more love and compassion and not be so judgmental. Mm. And it challenged me. And I think anytime I start to do too much or I'm too, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm needing more of more Sabbath time or, you know, mm. is when I start to be more judgmental sure. and can want to fix the world. Mm. And I, I know I'm probably at my healthiest when I can look at somebody that doesn't deserve it and have compassion on them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like it when he said that. Like, turn. <laughs> <laughs> That's for me. Didn't they listen to the sermon last week? Come on. <laughs> Leah, you said no because. Yeah. Well, so Scott rehearses. Right. And because he doesn't preach every weekend, sometimes he has like a month in advance. So he's been trying to start his sermon like two to three weeks before he preaches. Instead of like, Instead of like a month months. and a half or yeah, two yeah, months yeah. <laughs> before, um, so yeah, he he'll at least once a day leading up to when he preaches, um, he'll go over his sermon uh, mm. out loud um, so that he can not only rehearse it but also memorize what he's going to say, and I think also for him it helps him to hear not only himself, but also like, is this really what God wants me to say? Mm, yeah. Um, so if I'm listening, uh, which I usually am, <laughs> um, he, if he says something, I'll be like, so what do you, what do you think about that? Or, hmm. you know, I'll kind of question instead of say, I, I don't agree with that. So like, yes, but it happens like in the pregame. Yeah. 
<clears throat> okay. Yeah. <laughs> in warm-ups, that's when like you get the... Yeah, okay. exactly. Nathan? I'm the other extreme. I've never heard Bill preach a sermon before he preaches it. He's, he doesn't <laughs> do that at our house. Interesting. So I'm sure there have been times, I can't point my finger to sure. one where there's things that he says that then maybe I'd say, maybe you want to change this or something. <laughs> it's not often. It sure, really yeah. isn't. It's, it's, you know, he's fairly confident when he preaches. He's been doing it for... 40 plus years. So, what about uh, the alpha jokes? Well, yeah, I don't see those, <laughs> I don't see those either, but there's some I'm like, did you really just say that? Okay. that that's good, Amber. <laughs> Not preaching per se, but yes. Yeah, that is good. <laughs> um, so, God's one of our listeners? God, yeah. Wow. He listens when he's here when we record and he's when we're here we right now. That's a good question. Does God. <laughs> Does God hear everything that's published on the internet? He must, right? I'm assumedly it's made by people, but we have AI now that can generate music. Does God hear that? He must. So God's everywhere. Is he in the internet? Bill. In the internet? Is he in the internet? He's everywhere. Then yeah, I mean, he'd have to be. You don't want to say that he's not out. in the internet. Yeah, he's <laughs> that's one way you can internet's avoid a God free zone. <laughs> There's yeah. nothing that he can't, there's no place where he isn't. Right. So yeah. got to be. There. Oh, that means he's in YouTube comments. Poor God. Oh, poor God. Poor God. <laughs> YouTube comments probably break God's so heart. So toxic. To be honest. Um, which is, he's also in. He's in video game chat. He's in the voice chat uh, for for video. We're going to be judged for every idle word. Yeah. So think of that with YouTube. No matter no matter where. Yeah. We. Um, I bring. I brought up this book before. Uh, Your God is too small. Where uh, in the second chapter he he. This is like from the fifties. Yeah, J.B. Phillips. Yeah, and he says. Uh, to a crowd, to like, to different generations of people, he asked the question, does God understand radar? And -hmm. like people's gut reaction is like, no, of course not. And then they're like, wait. (laughs) And then they laugh at themselves and he's like, well, yeah. Mm -hmm. But he's like, that distinction of does God understand radar, like is fundamental to, to, you know, what our image of God is. Is he like Mm -hmm. the, the kindly old man Mm. Um, is he the domineering like master? Is he, you know, all these things? And, and that question really helps divine for him among like these Sunday school classes amongst like adults and college kids. Like that really helps divine. So I love that question. So t- ask your family that listeners with no prelude, just does God understand radar? I was like, I don't even understand radar. Uh, but we got to get started because Dan's got to get out of here. Man, it's Marriage is such about so much about serving the other person hmm. that it just has taught me a lot about the nature nature and character of Christ that he came to be a servant mm-hmm. man just so much of marriage is just trying to outserve each other I feel like and not like a competition kind of way, but Amber and I joke about this and that <laughs> yeah. Like I'm gonna outserve you, <laughs> but it just it just becomes like motivated out of love. Like I just want to serve and love and care, and you really you just see that's the way Christ was and is with us. Mm. That died for us, like paid the ultimate sacrifice, gave his life for us. Just see that reflected yeah. in marriage and that desire to really serve and care for, meet the needs of someone else, and mm. get to know them even years later, and still finding out new things as we have conversations. And like, wow, I didn't know that about you. This I don't can't think of an example, but yeah. there was one a couple months ago. Like wow, I just I had no idea hmm. that that happened in your life. Like how is that possible that we've known each other for you know thirteen and a half years and well, I didn't know that. But anyway, that's a I digress. No, but, that's so cool. But just yeah, that that aspect of s- just 
that Christ came to not to be served, but to serve. Yeah. I think for us, it's steps of faith we've taken together. Hmm. Financial steps of faith that really required God doing something. So we'd be in that same boat in real deep waters, and it was exciting. You know, mm. we both liked it, and it caused us to become people of greater faith because of it. Trust God for more and more and more. And I, I think that's how I've seen the Lord really be in the center of things in our yeah. marriage. Yeah. how has the coronavirus like added a new wrinkle or a new like element to deal with when it comes to, you know, you guys are had more experience being married before then. Um, but like, how has it affected like that relationship? I don't think it's, it's adversely affected our marriage. I just think we've handled it in different ways. Hmm. Um, I'm the more conservative one okay. and, um, so I would take more precautions than Bill would, um, and I still do. Um, I'm probably at the 40%, let's get back to life, and he's at the 100%, let's get back to life. <laughs> so, you know, it's just been a challenge. But even um, when we had to kind of lock down, um, he reads all the time, so he just read more. Mm -hmm. And I started reading, which I never read. So <laughs> that part was good. I mean, it's you know, it's getting to read some things that I would not otherwise have read. Sure. So, um, so that's good. But it's just you know, the hardest part for us is family's not around, and then we have very aged parents. Mm -hmm. uh, our dad's turned ninety three this month, and my stepmom will be ninety four in December. So we haven't seen them since Christmas, so mm. we're making a trek this weekend to okay. see them. Okay. But that's been really hard, not being able to see family, see our son, his family, you know, all of that. Sure. Mm. Amber, how have you seen, like, obviously you guys are, you have Renata at home. She's doing e-learning. Like, what has sort of been the impact of the, the situation on you and Dan? I feel bad for what I'm going to say, because a lot of people have had it way harder than us, but we've had such a crazy, busy life being everywhere and in all sorts of places that it gave us some much-needed bonding time. Because mm -hmm. when we first adopted our daughter, we um, she had to be in a public school, and it was two hours of driving every day. It was ministry on top of that, and we just didn't get as much bonding time as we wanted. So mm. this was great. It was We had a lot more fun. We... We've found creative ways to have dates and have family time and keep up with the ministry. And yeah. um, we're ready to get back. Sure. <laughs> but we're we really, I think we made the most of it. And, and I think that is because when we, when we were in this missionary training, they, they called something called the chaos bridge, that you're constantly going to be, anytime big things happen or anytime transitions happen, it's like you're on a bridge and you have to learn to make the most of it and, and choose a, an attitude of like, this is not a forever thing to not mm. let it hit you so hard. And, you know, and, and it helped us because in where the places where we lived when we, when we didn't have water or didn't have internet or didn't have electricity or mm. for a month, there was no gas in the country and we had to figure out how to get around. Uh, mm. You know, I, this just kind of felt like one of those other crazy things that just happened. And mm. 
it's just dragging on a little too long. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, I f we feel good. Yeah, honestly. Everybody goes into to marriage with sort of expectations, I assume. I've never been married. But I assume you go into marriage like you do almost any other major life event with sort of expectations about what it'll be like and not just like, oh, like everything will be great all the time. I think we all grew up hearing that marriage isn't easy all the time, that it's not a picnic. Um, I think you might be surprised. I think people do still believe that. Really? Or at least they don't have a realistic idea of what it actually is. That's what I was... When I was well, but probably before, it was before I got married for sure. Sure, thought it was, and this was before I met Amber and things. Just having this idea of like, well, I just want to be with someone. It was really kind of an egocentric thing of like, I want to be with someone. It wasn't like, what can I offer them or do for them? Hmm. I was like, well, I don't want to be alone. Hmm. And that, I think a lot of people probably fall into that that are maybe in that age range that I was in, like really early twenties, sure, or teens. Yeah, like yeah, I just want to. I want to be with someone to get married, so I don't have to spend my life alone. Absolutely. Mm. And so that kind of led me to. Not really realized for the first maybe year or so of marriage that hey, this is not it's not about you. Because the question was, would you rather have three thousand dollars or throw out the first pitch at game, at game seven. seven of the World Series? <sighs> throw the pitch, man. Yeah, of we, course. What if it were ten thousand dollars? I don't care. What it is. <laughs> no amount of money would probably would take not. That. What if it were? In, uh, you'd, probably, you'd probably have to get up to a billion or something before I'd care. A billion dollars. <laughs> You'd rather throw out the ceremonial for a billion dollars. You could buy the World Series, <laughs> and then you could throw well, every I told you, that, that's why all the pitches. That's why that price is so high. <laughs> Not just the first one. Because <laughs> if you just have a million dollars, it's like, yeah. You watch what you could the auction that. Watch what you could auction that off for. Anybody want to trade places for me with me? This is a good point. Starting this. at a million dollars, that's and a great there'd be point. guys. Fools. Oh yeah, I'll give you a million. They, Scott and Dan both take $3,000 over throwing out the ceremonial first pitch at Game 7 of the World Series. Well, it depends on who's playing. No, like, no, no, no. You I said, just don't care. I know you don't, don't care. Like, I'm not surprised by you. <laughs> I just it's think it would be such a fun family now. memory. Be, Renata would be like a grandma. She'd be like, one time my father threw out the exactly. ceremonial first pitch. Exactly. And to she Scott's got, point, one like time a, my father got $3,000. Yeah, like, I hope that happened more than once. stories that we got in the 1980s when your father was from the 1800s. <laughs> $3,000. That's amazing. Wow. Adjusted for inflation, that's a million. <laughs>